This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review speaking with Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, you cover Tulsa Athletics. Tulsa is a member of the American Athletic Conference, just like University of Houston. So I'm trying to talk to other beat writers of member schools to get their insight on the, the school they follow. So first, how long have you uh, been in Tulsa World? Oh, man. Um, a total of 13 years. Um, I worked in news for a while, and then I was laid off. I came back and I've worked in sports for most of that time uh, since then. So about 10 years back at, at the world uh, working in sports. And um, basketball, football, what specifically? Um, mostly uh, most of the past 10 years has been college football and college basketball. I covered Oklahoma State football and basketball for a couple of years. Um, I covered uh, – Exclusively Tulsa football for five years. Um, I've covered Tulsa basketball for uh, six years. And um, I also kind of float between beats uh, for the last two years. I also cover Oklahoma some and Oklahoma State some. So uh, just wherever they tell me to go, that's where I am. <laughs> okay, since you've covered Tulsa hoops for six years, that's roughly uh, the time of the American. Is that right? Yeah, um, and that's uh, Frank Hayes' entire tenure and, and the whole time in the American. So it's been a very memorable six years, of, but uh, certainly enjoyable, um, you know, just covering uh, covering a league that I think is just really interesting top to bottom. What is uh, Coach Hayes like to uh, deal with? He's one of the best coaches I've ever covered, you know, on a beat basis. Um because he's been in different markets, I think that really helps. Um, he kind of sees things from a media perspective. And he's the, the type of person, I think, if he wanted to go into like a broadcast type role after, you know, his coaching career, if he wanted to do that, I think he would be really good at it because he kind of sees both sides. Um, and he's been really great to deal with. Um, it's obviously a smaller market than, um, you know, here than where he's been um, in, in previous stops. Um and so the access um, has been surprisingly really good. Um, and he's, uh, he's a real person. You know, I think that's what separates him from some of the other coaches I've, I've dealt with. He's super relatable, um, and that's very much appreciated. And to tie in with that, to, to piggyback off of that, uh, really, Coach Kelvin Sampson, the U of H, he always speaks very highly of Coach Hayes and the job he does and as a coach, but he also talks about how a coach Hayes is as a person. So I can speak from the few times I have interacted with a coach Hayes. I agree with you there. He is very relatable. Um, for media, he's, he is a, a dream <laughs> to deal yeah. with. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've been very fortunate uh, to, to, you know, especially in, in college sports, there are a lot of moves, um, you know, to have covered a coach um, who's great to deal with for six years. Um, yeah, it's it's been a dream for sure. Are you able to uh, travel with the team on the road for all games, road games? Well, we don't travel as much for college basketball as we used to. Um, we, okay. we travel so much for football that that really uh, takes up a lot of our budget. So um, we don't travel 
we don't make flight trips for basketball until unless it's a really, really big game or the team is ranked or it's, you know, um, the postseason. So um, driving trips, uh, we consider, you know, six, seven hours. We can make those um, most years. Uh, it really depends on how the team is doing. Um, you know, we make football a, a year-round sport <laughs> here in Oklahoma, so we, we spend so much money on that and, and time and effort that, um, you know, we don't always, uh, especially, you know, in the American with, with there being so few driving trips um, from here, uh, there aren't as many um, of those opportunities to cover the road games. Understood. You know, and you know football is king in Texas as well. So <laughs> yeah. You're not alone in, in, in that aspect of it. What are your – let's take a step back and look at this past season. What are your thoughts on how the hurricane did? They surprised a lot of us, but what are your thoughts? Did they surprise you? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those years that, you know, there was potential. There just needed to be, you know, a lot of things falling into place. And and I think that's, you know, you don't know how that's going to go. And that's what made the season so intriguing. It's like, okay, they've, they've got these pieces that they didn't have before. In particular, Brandon Rochelle was the type of guy who they just, they hadn't had a, a guy like that on the team in the previous few years. So, you know, I think that is what made a huge difference in the season, having someone who, you know, would just play his guts out and, and would lay it all out there. They just needed some toughness, like an edge that you know, hadn't always been there. So um, Tulsa's always had these really nice guys on the team, you know, and that's that's great, but they didn't have um, somebody who you, if you were wanted to go to war with, you know, somebody you'd be like, I, I want that guy on my side. And, and Brandon was that guy. And so I think that that made a big difference. His numbers didn't hold up for the whole year, especially after he got hurt and the two games that they played without him, you know, those were losses that, that wound up being pretty significant in the grand scheme of things, but he made such a difference on the court just because he, he raised the, the level of competition. And I, I think that, um, you know, what happened with Martin Zigbanu, you know, taking off um, once it got to conference play, I think it, it a lot of that had to do with Brandon too. So um, the season, you know, things started to fall into place and, they wound up being really good. And that, that was something that, you know, going into the year, I just wasn't sure if, if they could get there. Um, so it definitely made things really entertaining to watch. Um, definitely some very memorable performances and to see them, you know, finish in, in a tie for a conference championship and, and really had some opportunities to win it outright um, that, that didn't quite go their way. You know, that, that was, um, that was a, a pretty interesting thing to, to witness it all come together like that. What did Coach Hayes say? Because I think because Tulsa finished 13-5 in the conference, tied with Houston and Cincinnati. Uh, but Tulsa had a one-game lead, right? And they lost the last game of the conference regular season. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's right. Things, um, you know, I think they could have finished a little bit better than, than what they ended up, you know, lost pretty soundly um, at Wichita state. And that was a game that, you know, if they would have been able to win there, which is a difficult place to win that, that certainly could have, uh, you know, that would have resulted in, in, you know, not the share, but um, there were several road games like that, that, you know, they, they, against the best teams in the league, they, you know, just, 
did not perform well in those games. And, and that's why, you know, I think even though if they had, they had won other games, obviously they would have had that um, outright championship. But if you're not able to win a road game against a team, you know, near the top of the standings, I think that it's, it's tough to say that you're, you're outright the best team in the league. You know, I, I think that they were, their their level of play was near the top, but I, I don't think that they were better than Houston, Cincinnati. Do you make preseason predictions, um, you know, how, like for the conference overall in your previews of a season? Do you do that? Um, yeah, I think so. We don't always do that. I think um, we may have stopped doing that for print, but, you know, I think I would have picked Tulsa to be – somewhere in the middle of the pack, you know, I, I think I would okay. have picked, you know, Memphis and, and Cincinnati and Houston there at the top and, you know, probably Wichita state up there. And I, I think, I think I would have put Tulsa there in the middle somewhere. I, I think that, you know, there were still some question marks and, and, and how it was going to come together, but certainly when you look at, and this is not a rag on Tulsa, I think it's, it's a compliment to coach Haith and, and the players for, for making it, what it was, but, you know, I didn't think that the talent level was extremely comparable, certainly not to Memphis and, and Cincinnati and Houston. I, I think that the, their talent was better than Tulsa's. And so for, for the hurricane to, you know, make the most of what they had, you know, I thought that, that was pretty impressive. How is the the makeup of the team going forward to assuming we do have a season to cover? <laughs> Yeah. Right now. You know, I think losing Martin Zigbanu, that's that's a huge piece you have to replace. Um, he did have some very up and down moments in his career, but um, how he finished was pretty incredible. And that's a guy who, um, you know, you have to replace significant production. So um, that's going to be the, the toughest part, I think. Um, probably will need several players to, to fill that role. Um, just younger guys or, or, you know, new guys coming in. That's that's going to be the toughest part. Um, Brandon Rochelle is back, and that's huge. Elijah Joyner, um, you know, Jariah Horn transferred to Colorado, which was a bit unexpected. Um, so that hurt. Uh, one of the, the um, leading scorers would have been a starter. So, um, you know, you have, to, uh, you have to replace that. But there are also two guys who sat out all of last season, um, as transfers, and one of them, um, Keyshawn Embry Simpson, was a transfer from Arkansas. Who um, Coach Haith is extremely high on. He would have been a starter last season um, if, if his uh, waiver had gotten approved. So, you know, they they have um, you know they had several guys leave, which I think is very common um, right now in college basketball, unfortunately. But I, I think that they have some good pieces coming in. So. Um, I don't know that they will be at that same level as last year, but they do have um, kind of similar to last year in that, okay, how is this going to come together? It just seems like every, most programs, they're having to go through this every season. It's just hard to have some continuity when so many players leave. Um, You know, for Tulsa, it's not so much the players leaving to go pro. It's just, you know, with it being um, a smaller school and, um, you know, if they have opportunities to go somewhere else, a lot of the time they're going to take those. What position of you mentioned the, his name? I just forgot it that fast. Of the young man from Arkansas transferring, what position? You know what? Oh, Ke- Keyshawn Embry Simpson. He, he's a guard. He has some versatility, so he can play 
um, you know, the one, two, or three. So um, that will help for sure. I think that um, they could use him at really any of those three spots. And they're going to have some guard depth, um, And whereas, you know, they're going to have to figure out exactly what they want to do at the four and the five. Um because they have uh, Manny Ugbo, who, you know, wound up starting several games last season because Martin Zigbanu just wound up playing better um, off the bench. So Manny got some, some good minutes early in games, <laughs> um, but wasn't the type of player who, who would be out there for very long. Um, but those were that was a, a good learning experience for him. And, and if they want to go that route to go big, he's seven foot. Um, you know, they would probably keep him at the five. They have some other options if they want to play small. So um, I think that'll somewhat depend on, on Manny's progression. You know, it's a very uh, crucial offseason for him. Um, and then, you know, if, if depending on the opponent, you know, they may play big, they may play small. Well, as we, as we talk, it's July 2nd, the second day officially of life without UConn in the American what are your thoughts on the conference now with UConn in the Big East? You know, I think I think it does hurt the reputation of the league to not have UConn in, you know, as a basketball member. Um, you know, wasn't I don't think it's a huge loss for uh for football, certainly a huge loss for women's basketball also. Um, but I think that uh life goes on, you know, it was uh an interesting deal being in the in the same league, covering a team in the same league as as UConn coming off their um, you know national championship season and um, all of the publicity that's involved with that. Um, but you know, I think adding Wichita State was just such a, a brilliant move that you know I think there's still a lot of um, really uh, high quality um, programs in this league. So I, I think that. Um, like I said, life goes on. And I know that uh, from Tulsa's perspective to not have to go all the way to Hartford or stores for games, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of good to, to not have to make that trip anymore. So, you know, I, I think that there's enough uh, credibility with the other um, programs and certainly the coaches in this league that long-term, I don't think it's a huge hit. In, in your opinion, what is the top rivalry in the conference is there a go-to rivalry on, on basketball side in the conference oh man that's a really good question um i think i personally prefer the the regional rivalries you know just because uh that's that's kind of what i have been accustomed to you know certainly i i grew up being aware of of you know big 12 rivalries with and big eight with oklahoma and oklahoma state so i think any any of the rivalries between regional closer location programs. I think that's probably going to be the, the bigger ones, but man, I, I think that from Tulsa's perspective, the Tulsa, Wichita state rivalry is a very uh, storied one um, to have played each other so many times, been in different leagues together. Um, I'm sure like UCF, USF, they have their rivalry. Um, I don't know. It's a really good question. Who is Houston's biggest rival in the league? Ooh, probably Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, I think. Well, I think the the fans would say Cincinnati. Yeah. I think from and I I think you go along with what you said from a coaching standpoint. Uh, maybe SMU 
because they're in Texas and it's yeah. still kind of important in terms of recruiting in the state. But, you know, obviously, coach, if we ask a coach this question on record, they wouldn't give us an answer. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but from a fan perspective, I would say Houston, Cincinnati, and then probably Memphis. Yeah. So, yeah, but, I think um, Houston and Cincinnati, especially with, with some of the the moments from last season, I think that added to that. And, and those are games that, you know, I always like, you know, I, I'm definitely going to want to watch those Houston Cincinnati games. I think that that's, uh, you know, two of the top, if not the two top teams, you know, uh, in the league, that's going to be memorable outcomes, very high level competition for sure. Do you think the conference is a, for, well, really for this coming season, will be a multi-bid league to the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think so. I think that there are, um, you know, enough of those programs that are are at that level where they, you know, I would put Houston, Cincinnati um, against just about anybody in the country in any given year, you know, with where the programs are right now. And so when you think of those two, um, if, you know, if it's, team was going to, you know, be able to accomplish what Tulsa did in the conference portion of the schedule last year, that could be another one, you know, if, if someone is able to compete at that level in, in conference play, Tulsa, you know, needed to do better in non-conference play, I think, to get that bid um, this past season. But, you know, I, I think that a program like Memphis, that's, that's you know, maybe not going to be able to be at that level consistently, but certainly have the talent to um, make noise and, and get big wins, you know, I I could see four teams. Um, you know, you got to have some things go right in non-conference play, and um, I think that for a lot of teams, it's it's hard to get off to that really good start. And and instead of be playing, you know, really well in in February and March, you got to be able to win those games in in um, you know November and December. So. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on, on who everybody is playing in non-conference play. I know that the league has done a you know, good job of, of making sure the, the members are, are scheduling better than you know, I think what's been there in the past. There have always been, you know, in the last few years, there have been these really good matchups in non-conference play that kind of catch people's attention, you know, college basketball fans to see these, um, these programs um, picking up wins that are, you know, going to be very valuable for the resumes. And I didn't even mention Wichita State. I mean, obviously that's a program that has had a ton of NCAA tournament, you know, history. And I, I think it'll be um, they'll be back at that point too. I think I, while well, I'd love for, for four teams to get in, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, obviously June, July, the bracketologists putting stuff out there. For the most part. It's just Houston as the one bid, and I just disagree with that. Um, oh yeah, I disagree with that for sure. But I think I think that that's you know it's just too early. Like that's that's I just don't think that that's realistic. I mean, I would be shocked if that were the case to have only one team in. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked. I think I think it's more likely to have like four or five teams than to have one. I'd be on the other extreme. Like I think there'll be more instead of fewer you know I, i'm i'm leaning more towards you i think 
one thing that still holds the overall perception of the conference back is getting big time non conference wins. Yeah. So that and that's gonna come, you know, and it, especially the teams in the middle of the pack of the conference and down. Because yeah. the better they are then it helps everybody else as well. So going take a step back, the conference championship, were you in Fort Worth, heading to Fort Worth? Oh, uh, I was when everything I was supposed to be leaving I was supposed to be leaving that day, the day I think it was the Thursday mm-hmm. right, Thursday morning when they, they canceled it. But T U had its um pro day for football that morning. So I was gonna cover that and then travel down. Um but then I was thinking, okay, if they haven't made a decision I could wait until Friday morning to drive down because I think I think Tulsa had the late game Friday, so I was like I could wait until the next day if if absolutely needed. Um, but I was at pro day, uh, watching guys run their forties and do the cone drills and all that when when the announcement was made about the uh, the tournament being canceled and and I totally get it. It was the right call for sure, but it just it was just such an abrupt thing. And it's just like, you know, I know that the team was headed, Tulsa was headed down there um, and, you know, had to go back home. And that was, you know, for a team that was, I would say not even really on the bubble, but just outside the bubble and, you know, wanting that opportunity to to play into the, the tournament, which, you know, at that point we figured there wouldn't be a tournament, but there was still that very small chance. You know, that was just a very, disappointing conclusion you know I think uh for Tulsa especially you know having not been in the postseason for a few years before that to to have an opportunity to play their way in you know I think that that was just that was very disheartening um but like I said it, it was definitely the right decision that was made do you also cover the um hurricane basketball women's basketball team too um yeah we we don't on like an every game basis um, because of all of the conflicts, but um, yeah, I, I help with covering them. Okay. Because I mean, with UConn women leaving, you know, the conference, I think I, well, I want to speak for you on the women's side, the conference is a one bit leak. <laughs> what do you think? About yeah, that? for sure. You know, and I, I think that, um, you know, it, having covered several of the Tulsa or the Yukon Tulsa games when Yukon came to Tulsa, I think that that was such a cool thing to see, you know, a program of that caliber, you know, come into the Reynolds center and, and, you know, usually win pretty soundly, but not, not just completely ugly all the time, but it was, it was a very high level program and they were extremely successful, extremely talented. Um, but to, uh, to lose that, you know, in, in the league, I think there are two ways to look at it. It's like that's, you know, one of the top programs in the history of women's college basketball, no longer, you know, making those trips to Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I think it also opens the door for, for other programs in the league that have been successful. I mean, what South Florida has done with, with their women's program has, has been um, pretty impressive. They, they managed to get a lot of international players, and that um, has really upped their level of play. Um you know, I think that there are programs in, in, in the league that are good and they've just been somewhat overshadowed by UConn. And now to, you know, even though it will be a, a one-bid league, that, that makes it 
really competitive. Um, those those conference games are going to have a lot of meaning, a conference tournament for sure. So um, I think that that, uh, that makes it in a way more exciting. Instead of having this one dominant program, you have other programs that maybe aren't to that level, but are still, you know, a lot of them are pretty darn good. So um, in a way, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what happens with um, the conference in, in women's basketball moving forward. A few more questions for Kelly Hines of Tulsa World. What are your thoughts on, because at some point we will have college sports, are your thoughts on the the conference's new deal? It will begin at some point this year, hopefully, mm-hmm. with ESPN slash ESPN Plus. I mean, I think that just sent a message that, you know, people want to put, the American and the group of five. And I, you know, I, obviously the American isn't in the power five. I think you can make the argument argument for the power six. I don't know that that really catches on other than, you know, within the league, but certainly separated the American from the, the group of five, you know, if, if not being up there with the five, you know, in the power five, just outside that, to have that kind of deal um, done that, that sent a message for sure. And, and for Tulsa, I mean, they, I know that Tulsa's athletic director, Derek Gregg, he, he called that one of the biggest days in, in Tulsa, you know, hurricane sports history when that announcement was made that they'd done that deal. It was just, it's a huge deal financially, um, particularly for um, a school like the university of Tulsa, that is, you know, the smallest FBS school, only about 3,500 students. And, um, you know, to be part of a, a conference that has such a, a big financial contract like that, that's, that is seriously bailing out Tulsa, you know, and, and especially now with everything that's going on, you know, the cost of uh, each COVID test is $70. Every every time they test an athlete, it's $70. I mean, that's, that's a huge amount of money that's being spent on just that. So to have, you know, these millions coming in from this TV deal, um, it's really you know, saving the program from having to cut other, saving the the athletic department from having to cut other programs. They cut men's golf a few years ago, um, and that was obviously not well received. Um, And, you know, to avoid having to make those really difficult decisions, you know, this this is what makes the difference. You know, I I think that's, when you look at it like that, um, it's a pretty darn big deal. Have you heard, any update regarding how UConn's departure impacted the, the payout per school? Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Um, now that we're into July, um, I've been off this the past two weeks, but that's certainly something okay. that I, I will try to find out because I am extremely interested in, in how that um, affects everything because I'm sure it's got to somehow. Initially, when – the deal was first announced what was the response in terms of people showing interest or disinterest in signing up to get a streaming service what i got to watch tulsa on on streaming or was it like that or was it positive was it like that's great let's do this or ooh, i don't know about this i think that there was some mixed emotions behind that but i think you know with it being 2020 and now and with it being, you know, so many people having smart TVs, like I, I can't with my streaming services, I, I don't have traditional cable. I have, um, 
you know, some of the other options. Um, I think that there's not as much of a noticeable difference other than the one thing that does drive me crazy is when I'm watching on a streaming service and I'm syncing it with the radio, it's so far behind. Like, yes. That's the one thing that gets on my nerves, but it's a little bit different from a live television because of the delay. But um, I think that uh, most people, certainly younger generations, I, I think that this is just going to be the new normal and it's not going to be a big deal. Certainly like in the next few years, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Um you adjust to it, you know, and I, I think that um, the quality of those broadcasts is getting better, um, and I, I think that that plays a big role too. So, um, you know, I, I grew up without cable, and uh, now to see where things are, it's just pretty incredible that you know all of to have all of these different options, um, so many games. Uh, you know, not traditionally televised, but to where you can watch them on your phone, your iPad, your laptop, your your TV. I I think that this is such a cool era to live in, and we all, you know, get used to it, whatever it is. So whereas, you know, initially there wasn't that, you know, as much as excitement as if the games were all on ESPN, you know, on your TV, I think people will get over that. How much has the uh, COVID-19 pandemic impacted you you professionally? Well, it's been pretty memorable. Um, I've, uh, you know, had to take two furlough weeks um, without pay. So that, that part was, uh, you know, that affects your everything, but um, you know, I think not having live sports, it's been, um, it's been a challenge at times because we're so just accustomed to, you know, even though, uh, you know, at that point the basketball season was winding down, we still would have had a month of spring football. And I, I usually help with the high school spring championships um, in Oklahoma. So, um, you know, to not have that, it's just, you're looking for other things to do, but um, because I've worked in news um, at the Tulsa world, they've had me help there. Um, written several stories related to the pandemic, um, different services available for people, that sort of thing. Um, uh, we had a series that, that we've run about, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the quote from Mr. Rogers about, you know, finding the helpers like in, in like different situations of need. So we've um, done this series about individuals and organizations that um, have been the helpers, you know, for, okay. Um, during this whole pandemic. So I've helped with that. And then um, they actually had me help with the uh, Donald Trump rally that was here in Tulsa recently. So Mm -hmm. that was certainly very memorable. So, uh, you know, with there not being, uh, you know, I know some sports have started back here, but um, with there not being the normal things to write about, I've I've, uh, helped with other stuff. So it's been enjoyable in some ways and in other ways it's just uh I'm ready to get back to normal, whatever that is. I don't know that we're anywhere close to that because the numbers here just keep going up. You mentioned this earlier enough and I forgot to ask you to follow up with with you on it. What has what is Tulsa Athletics how are they handling the testing for the athletes? You mentioned the price per test. Is it, yeah. What is it going? How's, how's it being handled? So they waited um, until 
um, the end of July to bring their athletes back. So most of them um, are, well, I'd say it's kind of half and half right now, but the the first week um, was last week. They brought back most of the football team. Um, they did five days in isolation and then they started testing. Um, they tested all of them and the staff members. Um, they had um, three athletes and one um, like employee test positive um, of that group from last week, which was I think 135 people tested and had four positive tests. So that was last week. This week they um, brought back um, the men's and women's basketball teams and the rest of the football team. So those, um, you know, they're they're not quite through their isolation days, and then they'll they'll be tested in the next few days, and it'll be, you know, sometime early, sometime early next week when we know the outcomes of those um, those test results. So, um, you know, I think that they're handling it pretty well. Um, they are, you know, testing all of the athletes, all of the athletic employees, you know, um, upon arrival, well, five days after arrival. And then, um, you know, what they don't know is when the other testing times will be, you know, if they, they just wanted to get through the initial phase. Um, but I think, uh, you know, with Oklahoma's numbers going up um, so much, um, you know, I think it's, it's, and with, with the Tulsa campus being in the city of Tulsa where the numbers are going up so high, it's going to be tough to keep everybody there safe on campus. You can't just put them in a bubble. You know, I think that that's, and with so many players being, especially football, um, with so many of them being from Tulsa, it's hard to keep them from going, you know, to their homes. It's the 4th of July, you know, uh, that's, that's really difficult to say, you know, don't, don't go out with, you know, don't go visit your families. Don't go see your friends who are in town. You know, I think that that's um, probably, a challenge to, you know, yeah, they, they, they didn't have many through the first week of testing, but how do you keep those isolated um, when it's, it's summertime, you know, yeah, they, they do have their, their workouts and stuff, but they're college kids, you know, that you can't just expect them to, uh, you know, live in their dorm rooms and all of that. So um, they're encouraging the athletes to stay on campus after you've tested negative, they want, you know, those to, to remain negative, but they don't know, they haven't determined at what point they will test them again, just because the cost is, you know, to have 400 um, student athletes and $70 per test. I mean, that's a huge amount of money every time you test. So um, they're still trying to figure out the, the best way to um, monitor things moving forward um, with, with the negatives to keep them negative. What, what test are, are they administering what is a seventy dollar test? Is the nasal swab, the throat one? I don't I'm, know I'm if it's the sure. swab or the throat. I think it's probably the throat. Um, I know that I had I got tested after the the Trump rally. Um, mm-hmm. I got tested last week, and that was the the nasal swab one. And I was like, oh man, that's that is really far up there. It was. Yeah. I knew it was going to be really up there and painful, but there's really no way to prepare for that. And it was only a few seconds, but oh man, that was extremely painful. So um, 
I don't know which one they're doing. Um, that's a good question. I should find that out. Um, I know that my test was $120. Uh, and I thought that that was, you know, it's good to know that I was, I did test negative, obviously, but and that, that was worth $120, but um still waiting to hear how much of insurance is going to pay for that. And maybe I can expense that with the Tulsa world. I'm still trying to figure that out, but um <laughs> I am curious as to which um, – I know that they're doing the, the rapid results um, so they would know within 48 hours, um, which mine was that same way, although it did get delayed because of the number of tests the clinic had. But um, I know that they can do the rapid results with um, saliva. Um, so I don't know. One last thing, and for folks who listen who are – football fans and basketball fans, what is your – well, i got two things. What is your impression of Tulsa football for this coming season? You know, I think that it's going to be a very defining year for Philip Montgomery. And, um, you know, he was able to hold on to his job just simply because the team was really competitive last season. You know, the results really weren't, you know – that convincing but when you saw how some of those games went and um I think the uh the league losses were by an average of eight points or something like that so you know some very close losses certainly some missed field goals affected things there um very painful to watch at times but um the level of competition um that Tulsa had last year was certainly a step in the right direction um you know, and showing some signs on, on offense that there was potential, even though the offensive line was not very good. Um, I think for Phillip to hold on to his job for another year, they've, they've got to get to 500 and, and make a bowl. Um, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, I don't think you can say, oh, well, we we played teams closer or we're, we're getting there. You know, I think that at some point the, the wins have to be there. You can't just say, you know, we were close. Um, so I think that, you know, for that to happen, certainly the offense needs to take another substantial step. And I think there's, there's potential for that with everyone who's back on offense, um, with the offensive line, you know, surely getting better and, and having a, a, um, a returning starting quarterback in Zach Smith, who, when he had time to make throws, he was usually pretty good. Um, so the offensive line, I think, plays a huge role in that that certainly um, led to the, the run game not being as successful as it, it had been um, despite, you know, I think there's a lot of potential or a lot of um, talent at the running back spots um, that Tulsa has. Um, so I, I think that, I think that there's a chance for them to be better. They should be better. Um, if not, I, I don't think that that Phillips survives. Okay. One last thing. What, in your opinion, Will we have college football at all? And then, of course, leading into that, will there be a college basketball season starting in November or will it start in January? Oh, man. I I think I would rather see college basketball push back. I think that, you know, with football, I don't see any way that um, there can be it won't be what it was last year. I don't see any way that it could be that. I think there will be either significantly fewer fans, no fans. Um, I do think that there'll be a season in some form. 
but I don't know exactly what that looks like. And I, and you know, a lot of that goes back to, you know, what, how, how Tulsa is trying to figure out where they go from here in terms of testing. Like if you're going to have a season, the amount of testing that you would have to do um, before and after games leading up to get, you know, all of that is just so involved that, you know, I do think it's worth it. It's kind of like with the NBA and even the WNBA, you know, what they're going through right now, all of the tests and isolation and all of that. You can't do that with college football um, and with college sports in general. And so, you know, they're all trying to figure out the options and figure out how to best do this. But, man, it's just so involved for football because of the the number of people involved. And, you know, I saw a story the other day that said, you know, there's if things continue at this rate, like, they're going to be college football players die from this. And when you, when you look at it like that, it's like, Oh man, that's, that's maybe not a good idea. Maybe, maybe this shouldn't be happening at all. Is it worth it? Um, And I don't know if if that's realistic, but certainly when you're seeing all of the numbers going up, it does seem like that's a possibility. So I, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't a season, honestly. Um, I just know that so much, so many precautions are, are being taken to ensure that there will be a season and it'd really be a shame if there wasn't, but it's hard to say that a season is more important than people's lives. Thank you very much. Kelly Hines of the Tulsa world. I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak to me and oh. hopefully we'll have basketball to cover. And cause I know we won't have <laughs> a media day in person, so I may not see you for gosh, I don't know, maybe March tournament time. If we have a tournament to cover. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very interesting. The first half of 2020 was really strange, so uh, there's really no telling what the second half of the year is going to look like. Okay, Kelly. T- thank you very much. You take care. All right. Thank you. Bye bye.